Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. The Biden administration has announced a new two-month moratorium on evictions just days after letting a previous Trump-era moratorium expire. The announcement is being praised by his progressive base, but there's just one little problem. It's a blatant violation of the Constitution. We'll explain why in Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. So here we are with the Biden administration really losing a lot of momentum in its anti-COVID policies and the public's trust in Biden's ability to get things under control here. And so what are they doing? Well, after the eviction moratorium expired, the left-wing base, particularly the House of Representatives, was in a frenzy about how this would put millions of people out on the street. Never mind the fact that there are landlords who haven't received a check in 18 months, that there are a lot of landlords for whom that income is necessary to pay the mortgage on the property, as well as to give them some money to pay their own bills. No, instead of just allowing things to get back more toward normal, not entirely normal when it comes to the housing situation in this country, Biden decided that he was going to allow for the CDC, that's right, the Centers for Disease Control. They apparently own your house, or at least the rights to tell you whether you own your house. Biden understands that this is probably not constitutional, but he's like, I'm a Democrat, doesn't matter. Here you go. The bulk of the constitutional scholarship says that it's not likely to pass constitutional muster. I asked the CDC to go back and consider other options that may be available. You're going to hear from them what those other options are. Whether that option will pass constitutional measure with this administration, I can't tell you. I don't know. There are a few scholars who say it will, and others who say it's not likely to. But at a minimum, by the time it gets litigated, we'll probably give some additional time while we're getting that $45 billion out to people who are, in fact, behind in the rent and don't have the money. Now, let's all be very clear here. You could find a so-called constitutional scholar to tell you that a ham sandwich should be president. Doesn't matter. It's unconstitutional what Joe Biden's doing, and he knows it. Even Biden's smart enough. Even his constitutional knowledge stretches far enough that he knows 
that what the CDC is doing is not okay. But, oh, don't worry, Jen Psaki is there, clean up on aisle five to pretend that, well, because it's targeted, the eviction moratorium is somehow okay, because we add the word targeted to it. The president would not have supported moving forward with any action where he wasn't, didn't feel there was uh, legal standing and legal support. Uh, we obviously don't control what the courts do. Uh, and we, we have, uh, of course, seen what the Supreme Court uh, decided and how they ruled, which was not related to public health, as you well know, Kelly, and was related to the relationship between the landlord and the renter. Uh, but the, this is different in that it is more targeted. Uh, it is focused on counties with higher substantial case rates uh, uh, to protect renters. And, and CDC ultimately decided, decided to adopt it. Yeah. It's targeted, you see, because it's a a more specified series of constitutional violations. We're all supposed to believe that it is totally fine. Yeah. The Democrats, though, are saying that they love this because this means that a whole lot of people who have been getting a free ride because of COVID, as though those people can't have already gotten vaccinated and therefore should just be living their normal lives and shouldn't have any special protections from eviction that continue ad infinitum, uh, Chuck Schumer is out there praising the far left of the Democrat Party, like AOC and Representative Cori Bush. Oh, Cori Bush did a whole stay out on the steps of the Capitol, uh, camping out essentially in protest. Uh, you know, there was like food out on the Capitol steps, she had a sleeping bag, the whole thing. And Chuck Schumer, who was definitely not going to do any of that kind of stuff, is praising AOC and Cori Bush because they fought against the eviction moratorium. There are so many individuals who helped make this happen. First, I applaud the president, President Biden, and the CDC for taking action to protect American families. I want to commend Speaker Pelosi. She and I work closely together to get this done from our first conversations with the president in the White House on Thursday on through the weekend and the beginning of this week. But I also want to recognize the amazing courage of my colleagues including Representatives Ocasio-Cortez, Jones and Gomez, and above all, Representative Cori Bush. Oh, yes. The amazing courage of extending the government's unconstitutional and unjustifiable seizing of private property, because that's really what this is. They're telling people that they don't have full property rights. They're telling uh, land, in this case, uh, homeowners that rent out homes that they own and their names Uh, that they aren't able to pay their rent or make the uh, mortgage payments they have on it because of social justice or something. What about the fact that people signed a contract? What about the fact that the economy has been open, right? Biden says he's going to shut down the virus, not shut down the economy. That was what he promised. So people can go back to work. In fact, there are a lot of open jobs out there. How long do you continue with this eviction moratorium? Don't ask those questions. AOC is out there to tell you that this is a big victory for working families. We need governors and municipalities to get emergency rental assistance funds out. That is what the point of this moratorium is. It's to buy time. This is a huge victory for working families. This is a huge uh, victory for the vulnerable. And it is a huge victory for the power of direct action and not taking no for an answer. Is it a victory for the people who are the landlords in this case, who have had to sell properties or have run down their life savings 
because someone just decided they weren't going to pay. There was no means testing here. It's just, oh, it's COVID. I can't pay. People stay for a year, 18 months, just while the, la- the landlord still has to pay or else the bank will seize the house, right? But that's fair to the left because, you know, they have this whole Robin Hood complex, like they're stealing from the rich and giving to the poor, except is that even really what they're doing? In fact, what you'll see is some of the massive private equity firms out there, Blackstone and others, will go in and buy up houses that now people are going to have to sell because they haven't been able to get the rental income that as an individual landlord they need. But, you know, who's paying attention to any of the reality of what's happening here? Much more important than people feel good about themselves on the left. So that's what we're going to continue to see. And then there's just also the question of lawlessness here. Shouldn't it matter a lot to, well, every American that the Biden White House is saying, we're going to do something that's going to take money from people, even though we know it's not legal, but we want to do it, so we're just going to do it. Isn't that kind of lawlessness a cause for major concern? Shouldn't people be wondering, what else do they feel like? They'll just say, yeah, it's unconstitutional, but we're going to do it anyway. You know, here's a collection of headlines, by the way, about this. The Washington Post, Biden's novel eviction defense. Maybe it's illegal, but it's worth it. CNN, Biden shows he's ready to make drastic moves in the COVID-19 fight, even if he's not sure they're legal. Uh, When you're the Biden White House and you're not sure something's legal, it's illegal. That's pretty obvious, right? Otherwise, they'd be making the case in the opposite direction. Breaking the law because it feels good for Democrats. They're doing it all over the place during COVID, and the eviction moratorium is just the latest example of it. We'll have more on the Biden administration's unconstitutional eviction moratorium when we come back in a moment. But first, I want to tell you about my friends at My Digital Money. Everyone wants to invest in cryptocurrencies, but it's not easy to get started. That's why Colin Plume, the CEO of Noble Gold, decided to create My Digital Money. It's an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with concierge-level customer service. It's one of the few U.S.-based cryptocurrency companies that will answer your phone call and help you get started. And because your comfort and security is their top priority, they offer unparalleled military-grade security for your coins, trigger orders so you can help get those gains or limit losses without having to be on your account 24-7, play money so you don't have to actually risk money to test out how the market's doing, and with the recent pullback of most of the major cryptocurrencies, it could be a great time to get started. When it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals that have your back, speak to you honestly, and treat you like a human, not just a number. Check them out at MyDigitalMoney.com. That's MyDigitalMoney.com. We'll be right back. People well, let's talk about time. what he did do or what he said he did with these executive actions. Are they legal? And if you don't think they are, are you going to sue to block them? Well, the fact is, is that whether they're legal or not takes time to figure out. I associate myself remarks with a Senator Sass who says they're unconstitutional slop. But will you sue? I think that's right. Well, right now we want to address the needs of the American people. Uh, as, as constitutional, my constitutional advisors tell me they're absurdly unconstitutional. That was Nancy Pelosi one year ago, almost to the day criticizing President Trump's executive actions on COVID-19 as absurdly unconstitutional. Fast forward to today, and the Speaker of the House doesn't seem to care much about constitutionality at all. In a tweet published shortly after the renewed eviction moratorium was announced, Pelosi wrote, Today is a day of extraordinary relief. Thanks to the leadership of President Biden, the imminent fear of eviction and being put out on the street has been lifted for countless families. Help is here. 
Democrats have worked tirelessly for this action, which is based on public health needs. Constitution be damned, it seems. Will Chamberlain is a lawyer and the co-publisher of Human Events. He joins me to talk about this. Will, good to see you. Good to be with you, Buck. So it's not constitutional, but Biden's basically like, let's just let it roll, see what happens. What do you make of it? I mean, I think in the classic sense of the word, it's impeachable. Uh, the guy took an oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution, and he's out there publicly saying, I don't really think this is constitutional, but we're doing it anyway. Uh, no, 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 that's, that's really lawless. Um, and it, it brings, you know, it may, essentially it leads to kind of two impulses for me. One is to say, you know, how horrible this is. And I mean, it's just it, I like to be appalled. But the other impulse is, okay, well, if this is the new standard for what presidents can do while they're in power, um, when, you know, why don't, when we take the White House back in 2024, say that, you know, we need to turn Harvard University into a COVID field hospital and just have CDC do it unilaterally. I mean, like, what's, what's to stop us? Like, because apparently now it's perfectly within the idea of the rule of law to just do things you know are unconstitutional. Um, and in the hopes that, you know, they'll take a little while to get through the court system. I mean, how, how is it that the CDC would have any authority whatsoever when it comes to the eviction process from homes? Like, I mean, what, what possible legal rationale is there for that? Are they even, are they even pretending there is a legal rationale? They're, pretend, they're pretending there is a legal rationale because the CDC does have some authorities to deal with pandemics and disease control. It looks like those authorities are designed for things like allowing them to implement a quarantine for some dangerous virus. And, um, and then there are some other authorities that say if you violate an order like that, then you could go to jail. I think that's sort of where this, this draconian punishment is coming from. Um, but they're reading their authorities in a completely implausible and ridiculous way in order to reach the ability to impose an eviction moratorium. I mean, that's that's and they know they are doing that, too, because just two months ago, uh, you had an opinion from the Supreme Court saying that that would have you know, essentially repealed the ended the moratorium. Um, and an opinion from Judge Kavanaugh and the other conservatives that basically said, like, clearly the CDC exceeded its authority here. So, you know, they know they're being completely lawless. And I mean, it's just it's just sad we don't have the power to, like, straight up impeach Biden and remove him for it because it's perfectly justified. It seems just remarkable that we're at the point now where it sounds like just a conservative criticism of a Democrat administration, except they're admitting it. It's a post-constitutional order we're living in now, insofar as whether it's the First Amendment right to free assembly or, to, or the free exercise of religion, for example. Now it's private property rights and due process. All that has to happen is Democrats say there's an emergency, and however long they say there's an emergency is how long it lasts, and the Constitution no longer counts. So, I mean, how, how can we not feel like when they're this open about it, Will, when they're this blatant, we're living in something that certainly feels like, when Democrats are in charge, a post-constitutional order. Yeah, I mean, I remember we had this whole discussion about how terrible, what a terrible precedent would set when the pre if the president were to declare a national emergency and reallocate some money from the wall, never mind the fact that he actually had clear you know, authorization from Congress to do those things under, under existing law. Um, and, and even then you had people like Jonah Goldberg being like, well, what about the terrible precedent this will set? Like newsflash folks, Democrats do unprecedented things all the time. And this is yet another unprecedented action um, from the Democrat party. I, I'm, you know, it's, it's sort of shocking, it's brazen. Uh, 
it, it's something that like is just absolutely shameful. And I, I think our reaction to it should be, I mean, we, I mean, it'd probably be worth an impeachment, honestly. Like if we take back the house in 2022, I absolutely think it's worth an impeachment to say you, you knowingly violated your oath to the constitution. You shouldn't be president. Isn't it amazing that that we've gotten used to, Will, the notion of an impeachment where the Democrats weren't even, we go back to particularly the the, uh, first impeachment of the president of the United States, where it wasn't even clear to them what they were impeaching him over. So I'm I'm with you insofar as talking about precedents being set here. Democrats initially were thinking about impeaching President Trump for a can't people forget this a campaign finance violation because they were saying that trying to pressure the ukrainian minister into an investigation was effectively an in-kind donation people this was the actual thing they floated for you remember that so yeah yeah, i'm with you i mean i feel like if you're gonna try to impeach a president over something that crazy why not impeach a president over something this obvious and real which is constitution doesn't constrain me isn't that why we have impeachment? Right, like that is the remedy, right? Like there isn't really that. That's probably the way our system works is if the if the president decides that he's not bound by law at all, then impeachment is the remedy. And and I don't know how to look at this administration and say it's anything other than completely lawless. And there, it's admittedly lawless and knowingly lawless. It would be one thing if they were trying to like push a little bit and push a policy they had like a good faith belief was constitutional and the court slapped them down or, but but they're just outright admitting and doing unconstitutional things. Even with Biden himself saying, well, this probably isn't constitutional and just saying he benefit his party and he wants the policy benefits of how long the litigation will take to prove him wrong. And it's like, okay, well that you can't be empowered then because what that precedent means a president can just ignore every Every, every bit of the Constitution, and why not? Who cares? How right? long will like, it take, Will, for this? Separate. I mean, assuming that, that it is going to be found lawless, uh, to, to be lawless in the courts, how long will that take? And then don't the Democrats essentially, it's a 60-day moratorium, right? It'll probably take longer than that unless we get a universal injunction from some brave judge, and I don't know if there's a judge out there in the circuit courts brave enough to do it in the places affected. Um, but, I mean, is there any injunctive relief, dare I say, on the horizon? Is there any way this actually doesn't just become the Biden administration gets what it wants, uh, gets what it wants, the laws be damned? I, I mean, I hope so. You could easily see a situation where by the time it actually makes its way to the Supreme Court, the issue is moot because the the moratorium's over. Um, and that's sort of, I think, the strategy that they're going for. Like, well, if we just do a temporary moratorium, the courts just don't have the capability to really intervene uh, before it's over, they don't they don't act quickly enough because uh, you, you have you know the district court briefing a judge decision, the appeal briefing another decision. Um, those things you know they can't getting all that done in sixty days is very challenging, and you know courts generally like to act more slowly than that. So yeah, they're sort of they're taking advantage of kind of a loophole in the way our system works, which is uh, you you know the executive being the kind of fastest moving branch with the most employees and the most power can just do, can act and change the landscape uh, politically and legally. And the courts are, are, are just wildly right. behind. I mean, you, you think about behind, it, yeah. the yeah, executive branch has a million employees and every judge has four. Right. You so know? this is how they do it. They just figure out, you know, they don't even, it's not even do it and beg for forgiveness later. You know, they're, they're not, they don't even care. <laughs> they just go with it. And, yeah. No, the system can't catch up. Will, 
Good to see you, man. Thanks for your analysis. We'll talk to you. Absolutely. Startling images from Texas as thousands of migrants continue to pour into the U.S. Townhall.com's Julio Rosas is at the border right now. He's going to give us an update when we come back. But first, let's talk about the most important, most viable asset you own, your home. I mean, how much equity do you have in your home? 50000 100000 More? Cybercrime experts are alerting homeowners that the more equity you have, the greater the chance foreign and domestic criminals will come after you. Home title theft is one of the fastest growing crimes out there. In fact, Home Title Lock, America's leader in home title protection, is alerting homeowners they could already be a victim and not know it. Here's how it goes down. First, cyber thieves search hundreds of public databases for high equity homes. Next, they pull your home's online title, forge your signature stating you sold your home, and take out loans using your equity. You're not covered by insurance, your bank, or common identity theft programs. Protect your most valuable asset now. Register your address to see if you're already a victim and receive a complete title history of your home, a $100 value, free. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be right back with Julio Rosas from TownHall.com. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Border Patrol Union says COVID-positive migrants are pouring into the states day in and day out, with cases rising upwards of 900% compared to the same time last year. This comes on the heels of the report. The Biden administration will administer the, administer the Johnson & Johnson vaccine to migrants during this uptick in confirmed cases. According to a report in Forbes, immigration agents are reportedly considering offering to vaccinate migrants slated for deportation or release into the United States. Border crossers who are removed from the country within hours of their arrest won't have access to doses, which will exclude 58% of migrants arrested at the border. Some migrants held by Immigration and Customs Enforcement which enforces immigration laws in the country's interior, have already been inoculated, but vaccination rates remain fairly low as of last month. Senior writer at townhall.com, Julio Rosas joins us now. Uh, Ro- Rojas joins us now on the show. Julio, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Buck. So uh, you're currently on the ground in McAllen, uh, in McAllen, Texas. Can you just tell us what are you seeing right now as it unfolds day in and day out at the border? So it's a multifaceted uh, problem here in these border towns. And one of the reasons is just simply because, I mean, we were over in El Dago, Texas, right by the port of entry, and they opened up the gate for all the people that had just illegally crossed into the United States so that they could start processing them. So that's kind of the front end of it. The back end is then you go into downtown McAllen, right across the street from the Greyhound bus station. There's the Catholic Charities, uh, where Border Patrol is having to release uh, a lot of people 
over, over over the course of the day. I mean, buses were coming every 15 minutes, dropping off all these family units and unaccompanied minors. Uh, and so once they're done being processed by the Catholic Charities, sometimes they're tested for COVID, sometimes not, uh, they then make their way over to either the bus station across the street or to the McAllen International Airport to continue on to go to wherever they're trying to get to. And just the fact of the large amount of people, large number of people who are coming, uh, there have been people who have been released without even a notice to appear for their court cases just because the, the volume has just been so so much. I mean, give me a sense of, of the conditions for some of these migrants when, when they're arriving um, with regard to any checks for COVID positivity. Are, are they running tests? Are they just asking, does anybody have a cough or is anybody sneezing? I mean, how, how what kind of health screening, if any, is going on with these large numbers of migrants showing up every uh, illegal aliens showing up every day? Yeah, so as, as I was saying before, sometimes they are tested uh, by the non-government organizations, the NGOs. Uh, but that's if the migrants who are after they're released from Border Patrol custody, that's if they choose to go to uh, the NGO. Uh, sometimes they don't. And then, of course, then the issue is then uh, we also have people, the gotaways, you know, the people who don't want to get caught by Border Patrol. And those numbers have reached their high, their highest levels in recent years uh, who are able to get away from authorities and continue on to wherever they're trying to get to. So it, it's a bit of a hit or miss sometimes on whether or not they, they get tested for, for COVID. And then, of course, obviously, sometimes it, it depends on when uh, the results come back. And so even if they are tested positive, then they, they might already be well on their way to, to, to wherever. And so some of the charities down here, they are putting them up in local hotels to quarantine them. But as we saw in La Jolla, Texas, which is about 20 minutes from us, uh, they weren't staying quarantined inside their hotel rooms and they were congregating at the local water burger. Fox uh, LA reports that 7,000 COVID positive migrants uh, have been found in, in McAllen, Texas since February. 1,500 newly infected have arrived in the last week alone. Uh, is this further overwhelming Border Patrol's ability to do its overall mission and try to secure the border? I mean, now there's not only is there a security and a humanitarian mission that there are missions that they have to handle, but there's also a health mission. Right. And so that's part of the problem that with the Title 42 not applying to everyone who Border Patrol encounters. And, and that's the change that the Biden administration made uh, after he after Biden got into office. And so under Trump, Title 42 applied to everybody. So it didn't matter if you're on a company minor or not, because of this pandemic that we're in, uh, you were gonna be deported right away it's just so that you didn't congregate in the Border Patrol facilities and then you know they would then be infecting each other and then also exposing the Border Patrol agents. But with that change, and now even family units not even uh, being uh, applied to 40 Title, title 42, uh, that's why we're seeing now that Border Patrol has to basically babysit uh, people that present themselves. And you know, because of the large volume, uh, they, they have to sometimes sit outside for hours uh, waiting for the bus to come pick them up and continue processing them. So that takes manpower away from people, uh, takes manpower away from Border Patrol having to secure other parts of the border. And it's very deliberate. I mean, the cartels do this on purpose. They send the family units out first, bogs down the law enforcement, and then sends out the people who don't, who pay to not get caught to then continue on their way. And that's why it's easier now than ever to not get caught. What does Border Patrol say to you? I mean, the members of Border Patrol you talk to down there in McAllen sector, I know you're down there right now. I know it's very hot and there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, what do they say about this? Is this just, is the border effectively the most open it's ever been, the worst it's ever been? 
Yes, yes. And it's not just Border Patrol that has told me. That is almost everybody who, you know, from local ranchers to local law enforcement from the cities. Uh, but no, Border Patrol has told me that they have never seen it as bad as they're seeing it now. And of course, it, you know, the Biden administration has tried to say that this is just a seasonal influx. And that was back in February uh, and March. But we are well past when, you know, it is a typical cooler parts of the year, like as I was telling you before, it's a consistently gets 100 degrees out here. And then plus the humidity too, because this is the, the, the valley. And so it's very dangerous uh, on multiple levels. But now, especially because of the weather, uh, this is when they typically don't want to cross. But because this is kind of a golden hour to get in while you still can, that's why people are willing to even risk themselves even further to uh, try to enter the country this way. And actually last night, a man uh, uh, passed out and he had to be attended to by a medic. Uh, I, I didn't ask him what it was, but it, he appeared to be uh, severely dehydrated because they put an IV uh, into his arm. So it's it's very dangerous for, for these people to, to come in this way. And that's one of the reasons why uh, it's kind of cruel almost to incentivize people by not applying Title 42 in, during this age of still COVID and, and whatnot. Some are speaking out against the Biden administration's incredibly poor handling of the border situation, including Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. Here's what he said. Why don't you do your job? Why don't you get this border secure? And until you do that, I don't want to hear a blip about COVID from you. Thank you. Seems like some people have had enough with the COVID regulations when we've got a wide open border with a lot of people who have COVID coming across it. Julio. Yeah, and, and that's why it's kind of frustrating because look, we're either in a global pandemic still that requires us to go and go back into the early days of the pandemic with lockdowns, mass mandates and whatnot, or we're not. And it's perfectly fine for these people to come into the border that the way that they are. I mean, the northern border is still very close. I, I've been up there and it's negatively affected the towns because non-essential travel uh, is, has been banned since last March and that has hurt the commerce. Uh, for the border towns in the United States. And so then they look and see how the southern border is, and it is basically wide open. Uh, and so it, it doesn't make any sense for the Biden administration to tell us that we have to take these measures because of the Delta variant, despite the fact of having three vaccines and whatnot. And yet they're going to incentivize people to come in this way, because even if they do make it to the United States, they get put in stash houses where there's zero social distancing of any kind. Oftentimes they're found not wearing masks. So they're endangering themselves. And because it's being incentivized by the Biden administration by changing the policy, by changing the rhetoric towards the border. And so it, it doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense at all. And so that's why people are getting frustrated. It's like, look, either we're in a pandemic or we're not. And we have to act in one way, but they want to have it both ways. Julio Rosas, good to see you, my friend. Good work down there. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. The Windy City, Chicago, is in the midst of a violent crime wave, and now students from University of Chicago are speaking out about the city's incredibly inept leadership. Up next, we'll talk to the University of Chicago student and writer for the Federalist, Evita Duffy, about the city's response to the ongoing and rising bloodshed. But if you're anything like me, you have to start your day with some serious caffeine. And that means kicking myself in the you-know-what with a dose of Black Rifle coffee. Not only is it some of the best coffee I've ever had, it's a veteran-owned company that serves it. This is premium coffee for people who love America. Black Rifle supports veteran law enforcement and first responder causes, and they want you to have a fantastic summer and a great fall with some delicious Black Rifle in your cup. Black Rifle Coffee imports high-quality beans from all over the world, roast them five days a week at their facilities in Tennessee and Utah. 
The team at Black Rifle Coffee is always researching and experimenting with new methods of roasting and coffee origins so they can give you the absolute best tasting stuff. Purchase at blackriflecoffee.com buck. Use code buck at checkout for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. Fuel your summer with America's coffee, Black Rifle Coffee. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The city of Chicago has seen a massive surge in crime over the past several months, making it one of the most dangerous cities in the country. And despite the skyrocketing violence, New analysis from the city's court records show only one person has been, in char- has been charged in relation to the city's 39 mass shootings this year. One person. Outraged students at the University of Chicago are now speaking out against leadership and their policies, with one student calling out Mayor Lightfoot saying, quote, it's wrong that politicians of Chicago are flat out lying to people because of the city uh, claiming crime is going down when it very much is on the rise and nothing is being done to stop it. Our next guest attends the University of Chicago. She joins us with the latest, Evita Duffy, co-founder of the Chicago Thinker. Evita, thanks for being with us. Tell us, what's it like in Chicago right now? So actually, I have decided, based on seeing how things have gone over the course of the pandemic and the BLM writing of last summer, um, that I'm not going to return to Chicago. Um, So this summer, I, I have been home. My friends have been in Chicago over the summer, and those who chose to stay um, have all said that it was a good choice on my part and that things have become really out of control in the city. And just last month, a peer of mine, a year younger than me, a boy named Max Lewis, was shot and killed on his way to a summer internship riding the CTA. Um, And before that, in January, there was another grad student who was killed by a stray bullet in a parking garage. So the situation situation is is not good. Students are unsafe. Citizens are unsafe. Um, and it's a real mess. And it's actually very terrifying. So you yourself know somebody then who was struck and killed uh, by, by a bullet in the city of Chicago, which obviously brings it home in a tragic way. We're sorry to hear that. Are, are the people of Chicago in general uh, all in agreement that this is an unacceptable state of affairs? Has everyone kind of realized that the crime situation is above just the usual partisan back and forth and something that is an, an imminent concern that must be, must be tackled? You know, I, 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 I hope so. I mean, to me, a lot, what's, what tells me that people are not coming around to the real issues in Chicago is that we still have a very vibrant 
anti-police movement um, on my college campus and on all the other college campuses throughout Chicago. Um, and they they are advocating to get rid of um, not just Chicago police, but our campus police, our UCPD. Um, and our UCPD, ironically, is mostly black and Hispanic. Um, and so they want to literally abolish the, the the thin barrier that we have against um, the increasing gang violence. You know, cops in Chicago um, are outnumbered ten to one by by gang members in the city. So um, it is it is it is a mess. But like I said, it's difficult to see if people are really coming around just because radical leftists still believe that police are the problem. Mayor of Chicago Lori Lightfoot recently at a, at a June press conference said this. Wanted to have you react to it. Crime is not out of control in our city. In fact, crime is on the decline. All of our major indices showed a decline in, in um, crime and our homicides and our shootings year over year are down. That's a fact, sir. What do you say to that? Well, of course, it's a flat out lie, but I wonder if we can even blame Lori Lightfoot for this egregious error on her part. Um, she has her own private taxpayer funded security. Um, and so she is never going to feel unsafe in the city of Chicago. But my friends and I who are riding CTA or going to the grocery store after dark uh, feel unsafe all the time. And she needs to be in touch with the regular people who don't have their own security in the city because maybe she would understand what's really going on. Now, there's a statistic, there's some numbers we pulled here, but the rise in crime from this year, July 21st to 27th, compared to last year, you got a 25% increase in shootings, 25% increase in thefts, 29% increase in murders, according to the Chicago PD. Are you aware of, of any initiative that is underway that is a, a meaningful effort to try and turn these numbers around? I mean, you mentioned there's still an anti-cop movement that's vibrant in Chicago, which just seems, I mean, to me, completely insane, but also entirely believable, considering what the Democrat Party has been. Do they have some kind of additional deployments that are going on? Are they doing more, you know, after school basketball or baseball programs or something? I mean, what, what's, what's the city actually trying to do to turn these numbers in the other direction? As far as I, as far as I know, nothing. What they are doing is um, their the state attorney, Kim Fox, is not prosecuting criminals, very well known for not doing that. And uh, on top of it, they are releasing um, criminals from prison, not just regular, you know, not nonviolent offenders, actual murderers to slow the spread of COVID. Um, so the city is is only exacerbating the problems that we're seeing right now. And as for the uh, law enforcement side of this, we know that 363 Chicago police officers left the force this year. This this tracks with what's happened in a lot of other places, major metro areas across the country, where sure every year there'll be some cops who retire or perhaps just decide they're going to quit for whatever reason. But there's been a big jump in the numbers of officers who in the post BLM 2.0 era seem quick to either retire or in some cases even even uh, decide that they want to leave the force before its retirement time. So is that is that you think indicative of the movement, the anti-cop movement that's going on here? I mean, are, are cops feeling like the lack of support at the political level is a reason to go and do something else? Yeah, I mean, Chicago is totally run by by radical leftists from from every level of city government, um, and so it's it's no surprise that they feel totally unsupported. Not just you know policy wise, they're unsupported, like I I just laid out, but also it's the rhetoric too. It's that 
Lori Lightfoot um, and others in, in the city government want to play both sides. They want to, you know, say, oh, yes, we support the police while at the same time trying to appease their voters. And that that appeasement is anti-police um, activism. And so it's I don't I don't blame any of them that the, they have no support from from the city level and crime is only getting worse and it's a thankless job. So I I am saddened to see that all these cops are leaving. But at the same time, I can't really blame them. Evita, thanks for joining us, sharing your perspective. We'll have you back on soon to talk more about this. Thanks so much for having me. Coming up, Disney introduces the world's first gender-bending Muppet. Are you ready for Gonzarella? Is that really what they're calling it? I don't know. That story's coming up in quick hits. But first, let's talk about the cryptocurrency market. Look, a lot of people want to get involved in crypto. Bitcoin, Ethereum, any number of the dozens of tokens out there. But how do you get started? Well, to answer that question, Colin Plume, the CEO of Noble Gold, created My Digital Money. It's an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with top-tier customer service. It's one of the few U.S.-based cryptocurrency companies that will answer your phone calls and help you get started right away. And because your comfort and security is their top priority, they'll give you an unparalleled military-grade security for your coins, trigger orders to help you secure opportunities for gains or limit losses without having to watch your account 24-7, a play money account so you can test the market without risking real money. And with the recent pullback of a lot of major cryptocurrencies, this could be a great time to get started in the crypto markets. When it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals who have your back, speak to you honestly, treat you like a human, not just a number. Check them out at MyDigitalMoney.com. That's MyDigitalMoney.com. Quick hits are up next. Stay with us. Obama decides to scale down his 500-person birthday party because of COVID? Or because he got caught breaking the guidelines? Or what? Plus, de Blasio takes aim at King Cuomo, calling the disgraced governor an embarrassment. Ooh, we're going to have some fun with this one. Let's get into it with Quick Hits. Uh, the Muppets. We did mention that in our little intro there, but we want to keep you on your toes, folks. The Muppets are beloved puppets for children. Puppets known as Muppets. And I haven't seen a Muppet in quite some time. I think it's also a term of general disparagement that people use in the UK. They'll just call someone, it's like calling someone a, a jerk. But anyway, uh, a Muppet uh, is a character, or there are characters out there, and there's a Muppet now. Oh, I'm sorry. This is Muppet Babies. Pardon me. This is, this is for the even younger generation. Uh, and there's a character who cross-dresses now um, as a baby to become Gonzorella. I really wish I could wear one of those princess dresses to the ball. Well, I hate to see a good pal feeling bad. So tell you what, I am gonna grant your wish. But the girl said I'm not supposed to wear a dress. I don't want everyone to be upset with me. What's your name? Uh, you can call me... Gonzarella. Hmm. I mean, does anyone think that there's not some... Oh, start cross-dressing at a really young age. It's totally fine and normal vibe here. I mean, is that... Are we to think that this is just a... It's not like adults are actually trying to program kids to think a certain way to infuse their politics into children at the youngest possible age, right? That, that would never happen, right? But then why is this happening? Why are we learning about Gonzarella? What exactly is going on with that? Um, it's a question 
question we should ask, and we do ask during the show. Oh, that's right, Barack Obama was going to have a big party for 500 people, a birthday, I believe it was, in Martha's Vineyard at his $12 million mansion, which I would also note, as others have pointed out, is right next to the ocean, which seems so crazy because Obama is convinced he's so certain that climate change is going to rise the seas. In fact, his presidency for eight years, as you recall, was supposed to lower the seas and, uh, and you know, to save the planet and all this kind of stuff. And climate change is an existential threat, yet the richest Democrats you can find all live not just on the coasts in general, but pretty much right next to the water whenever they can. So interesting, isn't it? They tell you that the world's gonna end because of climate change, and yet they won't give you a great deal on their $10 million Malibu beach house that's right on the water. Seems so weird, doesn't it? Like, almost they don't believe what the heck they're talking about. Well, anyway, they also tell you a lot of things about COVID and don't really mean what they say. An example of that would be uh, the, oh, we all have to be so terrified of the Delta variant thing. In fact, in New York, as we know, we've got this vaccine passport situation. But Obama understands that this doesn't really look good to have a 500-person party. 200 in staff was what I read, which seems like a lot of staff. They're scaling it back. Due to the new spread of the Delta variant over the past week, the president and Mrs. Obama have decided to significantly scale back the event to include only family and close friends. He is appreciative of others sending their birthday wishes from afar. Looks forward to seeing other people soon. So turned out that the, the pressure over this one was enough that even Obama himself, the most beloved figure in the Democrat Party to this day has to kind of pay attention to the public perception around having a massive party with a whole lot of people who are going to be indoors and in close quarters and not abiding by, it's not even really clear what. And let me, I just want to also say this is important. I have no problem with Obama having a party for a thousand people. I think that'd be fine. I think that people should be able to have a party for whomever they want, as many people as they want right now. I'm talking full-scale normalcy all across the board. So I would have, I mean, hey, maybe if I was even invited to the Obama party, I would have gone, but obviously they're not going to invite me, which is a shame because I'm super fun at parties, but, you know, they don't know that. They just think I'm some crazy conservative. Uh, but the problem here is that the Democrats are the ones that are actually telling everybody, oh, you've got to be so scared. And then they don't act like they're scared at all. Also, you're supposed to be scared, it seems, of Governor Cuomo, at least according to Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York. Here's what he says. Him trying to put out some video, slick video, to say it's culturally okay to harass and assault women. That's ridiculous. And it was an embarrassment. And it's not okay. It never was okay. It wasn't okay 50 years ago. It wasn't okay 100 years ago. So stop with this attempt to say culturally somehow he's you know, allowed to do what he did. No, it's not acceptable. He needs to resign. Let's get this over with because the entire state has spoken now. He needs to resign. Let me just keep reminding you that I've been saying all along, he's not gonna resign. I could be wrong, but do you think I'm wrong? How often am I really wrong here on this show? He's not gonna resign. Maybe they could force him out, very unlikely. Um, but he's not gonna, this guy's gonna go down fighting. This, he, this is who he is. He is the governor in his own head. That's all that really matters. This is a part of him. This is his core. He's not gonna give that up. I'm going to give that up because of a report that's, it doesn't matter how accurate it is, it doesn't matter how bad it looks for him, he doesn't care, doesn't care at all. And once again, it is possible for even 
Bill de Blasio to be correct on something. DeSantis is the champion of freedom in Florida. That continues. Here's what he says about kids and masks. If you're trying to deny kids a proper in-person education, I'm going to stand in your way and I'm going to stand up for the kids in Florida. If you're trying to restrict people, impose mandates, if you're trying to ruin their jobs and their livelihoods and their small business, if you are trying to lock people down, I am standing in your way and I'm standing for the people of Florida. Yes, he is. No lockdowns, no mask on kids, no craziness anymore. Ron DeSantis, a breath of fresh air, a man who still believes in freedom and this little experiment that we call America. Oh, yeah. All right, that's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields high. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.